it makes sense to find someone within their business who is the chatty Kathy of the business and, and wants to spearhead a social media campaign. Definitely. They do, they do have to have a little bit of passion, a little bit of knowledge for being social. So I, I say it probably shouldn't be the owner actually. And it should definitely be somebody within the company, even a front desk girl is a great person to be in charge of your social because she sees every person that comes in while she's there. She knows what's going on. She has her pulse on it and she knows them by name. Hi, this is Amy, the senior group fitness instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. I have the privilege of talking and working with a lot of uh, small boutique indoor cycling studios. And inevitably, in every conversation, the discussion turns to how do I effectively market my studio? You know, in the old days before social media, you know, you would hang up a banner, uh, you'd post something at the grocery store, you'd do something in the newspaper, maybe in a local magazine, um, send out some direct mail. Uh, but now things have become quite confusing in that, you know, we have all these uh, potential places where you can be spending your time trying to market your fitness business. And in order to uh, kind of help you understand a little better both about where you should be at and also maybe how to test if your efforts are being successful, um, I've decided to uh, reach out to someone who I see as a pretty much a social media expert. Her name is Cassie Piasecki, and she's joining me from where in California are you? Ah, uh, beautiful Newport Beach, California. Beautiful Newport Beach, California. Okay, and also beyond being a social media expert, uh, you're one of us. Tell everybody where you teach. I do say social media expert. I'm basically just obsessed with social media. So I'm never an expert because it changes all the time. So I'm just obsessed with it. Well, uh, I've always, oh, excuse me, but I've always looked at an expert who just knows more than I do. <laughs> okay, well, then I'll be an expert. Awesome. Uh, I am an indoor cycling instructor at Grit Cycle in Costa Mesa, California. And I also am a Pilates instructor here in Newport Beach at a couple different studios as well. How long have you been in uh, fitness? Oh, we just talked about that. More <laughs> Remember, now, you don't have to date yourself if you don't want to. <laughs> I'm going to be shy about it. Let's put it this way. I started teaching when we did low impact aerobics to YMCA and <laughs> the song YMCA. And I taught step aerobics, uh, indoor cycling way back when, when it first started, and then eventually moved into Pilates uh, some yoga booty ballet, and back to the new style of indoor cycling just recently. So a long time. What I've been calling uh, rhythm and movement Correct. as as that second vertical that's has developed. How are things going? I know Grit's a relatively new studio. How is that working? It is awesome. Uh, Grit has been open just over a year. We have increased the number of bikes uh, in our studio from... I think we started with 35 and now we have 51 bikes in our studio just because of demand. So luckily we had the space to add the extra bikes. 
we are solely a indoor cycling studio, so we don't offer anything else in there except indoor cycling. And it is just really taken off. It's been it's so exciting to be part of not only a, a sweat movement, but a real community-based movement with the other instructors, but especially the writers. And, and it's something I've not really seen at another studio. And it's definitely driven by social. So it's very timely that we're having this discussion. Absolutely. And and I recognize that you are responsible for most of the social media activities for Grit. I am. I, I kind of waved my hand early on and said, hey, you're not doing a whole lot with this. And as an instructor in the studio and as someone who is obsessed with social media, I would love to take it over. And they were gracious and very happy to let me do so and stepped away from it and let me take it over without a lot of extra guidance or picking through things from them. And it's, it's done really well. The first thing that's very clear to me talking with you, Cassie, is that you're very passionate about social media. And I, that may be why you're also successful with it. Is that true? Well, I, I am. Yes, that's part of it. I am just naturally a social person. So voted most talkative in elementary school. I would <laughs> venture to say that if the conversations aren't happening in real life and they're happening online, I was definitely going to find my way there. I also love visual. I, I'm a visual learner and I love seeing pictures and videos and I love to gather information. So if it's happening online, that's where I was going to be. If it, if it, if I could get it in real life and then go home and get it online too, I, that's where I was going to be for sure. All right. Because where I was going with that is I, I'm recognizing that there are uh, studio owners, mm -hmm. fitness business owners who are not you. And interacting socially on social media is difficult for them. Is, is that accurate? Um, well, it, it's not necessarily that it's difficult, but maybe they have other priorities and they haven't viewed social as a priority. So they don't, they haven't given the time to it. I think the other thing that's really cool to note though, is while they may not have devoted the time to it for their business, if they are, a, let's say a grandparent age and, and their grandkids are all over social media, trust me, they're on Facebook looking at their grandkids pictures or if your best friend is getting married and you're in the wedding and you're Instagramming pictures from the wedding, you are on Instagram using social media, but perhaps they just haven't seen the value in doing it for their business. Okay. Well, let me, okay, let me ask it a different direction then. Mm -hmm. If, if, if a studio, a studio owner is listening to this and it just doesn't feel, you know, a high level of comfort mm -hmm. with social media, does it make sense to f try to find somebody like you? It makes sense to find someone within their business who is the chatty Kathy of the business and, and wants to spearhead a social media campaign. Definitely. They do, they do have to have a little bit of passion, a little bit of knowledge for being social. So I, I say it probably shouldn't be the owner, actually, and it should definitely be somebody within the company, even a front desk girl is a great person to be in charge of your social because she sees every person that comes in while she's there. She knows what's going on. She has her pulse on it and she knows them by name. And the, it's interesting you bring that up because uh, you and I had a conversation, uh, I don't know, a week or two ago where we we're kind of setting up this 
conversation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I asked you the question, does it make sense to try to outsource your social media mm-hmm. to uh, some other company organization? There's a bunch of them out there trying to do that. And your response to me was that no, because you have to have someone who's actually part of the tribe, part of the community Correct. engaging. You can't have some... Um, random person throwing up blog posts for you or Instagram pictures or little fancy sayings. Correct. There are a plethora of companies out there that will claim to be able to do that for you. And, and they will, that the, your graphics will be beautiful and uh, professional and spelled right and everything, but they will lack the personal connection with the writers in your studio. And therefore I, I wholeheartedly believe in hiring someone like myself or, you know, a social media consultant to come in and set up the structure, set up your accounts, making sure that the names are uh, correct all across the board, Um, teaching someone how to use it, how to schedule posts, those types of things. But then I I really, with 100% of my heart, believe that someone from within the studio needs to be the person, I call it the unicorn behind the campaigns because they are the ones who, um, you know, they know the writers by name. They know what's going on. They know about the big event. They know what the special of the month is. So it, it does really need to come from within. Well, they know about some quirky little event that happened. Correct. <laughs> that, Correct. That they can talk about. Right. Okay. One of my interests in talking with you is, you know, I'm an old sales guy and I, I recognize that there's a lot of passive marketing that goes on uh, within these small boutiques, but I don't see that there's a lot of uh, emphasis on on sales, conversions. Um, and, and again, you and I talked earlier, you, you explained that you have to be somewhat sensitive to how you go about that. Um, can you explain a little bit more what you were trying to communicate to me? Sure. I mean, you can definitely, you know, be... Uh, have some social accounts and throw up some pretty pictures and, you know, talk about the sale of the month, that kind of thing. But if you really want to see if what you're doing is working, you can do some different types of challenges or contests or, sorry about that, had to get one of my dogs to behave over here. I can hear his pain. <laughs> yeah, she's going she's gonna to sit down now. I like to do different things to gauge whether a certain medium, a certain platform is working better. You know, you want to find where your people are. So, for example, I was with Grit. I was doing stuff on Facebook. I was doing things on Instagram and I was doing things on Twitter. And I noticed that on Twitter, that was where that was the quietest spot where I was concentrating my efforts. So I uh, started to run some promotions like uh, mention that you saw this on Twitter for, you know, 10% off your next package or something like that. And, and then you wait and see, you run that for a couple weeks and you wait and see how many people come in and say, Hey, I saw this on Twitter. And you, you know, you can use something as new tech as social media to, to do something like that. And you can, to, to see if it's working or not, get a piece of paper and just put a check mark next to it. So something so old school as using a piece of paper to track it. But, um, you know, doing things like that to see on Instagram, we would do something, uh, you know, tag us 
uh, take a picture of you after a classic grit we, and all the sweat we call grit. We say, show us your grit and tag us uh, for an entry to win a free class over the next week or something like that. So that you run these little contests, these little challenges, uh, specifically asking them, tag us in your sweaty picture with show us your grit and we will give you some, we'll give you the opportunity to win. So it's twofold. Not only are you being able to track how many people are seeing your post and whether it's a value to you that that many people saw the post. Um, but number two, they're tagging you in a picture. So they're showing, they're sharing with their friends where it was that they got all sweaty. So challenges and contests to measure whether what you're doing is working or not is a brilliant way to figure it out, but also get a little extra promotion out of it. Does that make sense? Does it help you then to identify where you should be spending your time? Absolutely. I mean, I saw that on Twitter, I mean, I, I think I got nothing out of those promotions that I was running on Twitter. And I eventually posed the question over on Facebook, hey, are you guys on Twitter? <laughs> you know, well, who's over there? And it was crickets. And so I stopped wasting my time on Twitter at that very moment. As far as trying to attract new writers into the studio, that was not where I was going to find them. So I concentrated more of my time on Facebook and Instagram because that is where our community was. Then is it is it from a strategic standpoint is that you identify where the people are. You don't try to push them there. No, no. Does that, I mean. Well, if the majority of your people are on Instagram, you can definitely push the other ones that aren't there over mm -hmm. to Instagram. But if nobody is on Instagram, why bother pushing everybody over there? So, well, that's the point I'm making. Yeah. So that so that your example is that you had very little success or no success with Twitter. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense to well, follow us on Twitter. No, no. Matter of fact, don't follow me on Twitter because we're not posting anything over there. So <laughs> yeah. We would be dead. I go over there once a week and I check to see if anybody has mentioned, because inevitably there are, you know, every once in a while, someone will post trying to get our attention over there and I'll, you know, like, or comment back, or, you know, you always want to answer back. You can't it completely ignore a channel. You've got to look and make sure no one's talking about you over there. And then, uh, and Twitter is wonderful. It's just not where we were finding our people. I, I, Twitter has changed over the years. And so it's just not where we were finding our writers. We're not over there. Uh, describe your, uh, your writer demographics. Yeah. I love our writers. They're so awesome. So our writers are, for the most part, women between 22 and 60. And our men are between 25 and 60. Uh, they're affluent. They are social. They are athletic. And they like to sweat and do it often. And they also like to share about it. Definitely. What's the percentage women to men? I'm going to say 80% women, 20% men. Okay. And then how many cyclists do you, that, you know, meaning just by virtue of what they're wearing, I guess the only way to, unless you know them personally, yep. um, how many cyclists as a percentage? 1%. Perfect. <laughs> there are Perfect. a few and it's not usually the clothes that they're wearing, but the camelback that they wear. <laughs> Is that what they're called? <laughs> right. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Okay, awesome. So you're so you are you're and, and I, if you're listening to this and don't take this the wrong way. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say is that there's a over there's too much emphasis placed on trying to get indoor cycle or outdoor cyclists to come into indoor cycling. Correct. It's no different than if you're not on, they're they're not on Twitter. Don't go there. You know, the the very few cyclists have a real interest in coming indoors, especially in California. Right. Um, and even in the northern climates, I'm, I'm one of them. We're not loyal. Come summer, I'm out of there. Mm-hmm. And you, you can't build a, a, a business with, uh, you know, just random people showing up. You need to develop committed, scheduled participants that are going to mm-hmm. be with you all year. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. So as a company and and from a marketing perspective, are you really just focused on women and the men just kind of come along or do you do some uh, some things to try to attract men? We definitely try to attract men, especially, you know, that's since you're asking that, and I'm sure you know, November is Movember. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that Grit as a company is extremely passionate about is we have something called Karma Rides. And a karma ride happens once a week, and it happens at various times throughout the week. It's not the same day or the same time every week. But that w- that particular karma ride, that class that is taught, is uh, the instructor teaches it for free. She, he or she volunteers to instruct it. And our riders donate a minimum of $10 to sign up for their bike, and they can donate more at the time of the class if they want to. And 100% of the money donated to that class goes to an organization of the month. And we do that every week of every month all year long. So this particular month, we're donating all of the money to an organization called Team Nuclear, which raises money for men's health um, and through Movember, um, which goes, you know, obviously to men's health, like I said. So this month has been all about the guys. We had a mustache ride last weekend where we raised an extra almost $9,000 in a 60-minute ride for Movember. Yep. Our riders are very generous and lovely. We love them for this. And, uh, you know, we had the guys there. We're encouraging guys to grow their mustaches. We're doing another thing tied in with men's health called Nothing November. And one of the owners, uh, Matt, who is a gentleman, is spearheading it and he's doing a no alcohol, no gluten, no sugar month. And he's posting his meals and, um, we're just, we're, and it's all driven around the men. And of course, with a heavy women, uh, based community, they're getting lots of attention, those guys over there. So, so it's a good thing. (laughs) And you know, it's not that we're trying to attract, we're trying to boost the up the men that come to our studio. And by, Doing that, they ultimately show up at work with, in a grit T-shirt or they're posting on their page in a grit T-shirt or that they're doing nothing November or that they're going to a karma ride and it attracts their buddies. So we're our social media is more so to build our community of riders that we already have. And just by doing that, it attracts other people. But our primary goal is to build the community of which we already have. It's interesting that you were explaining that you do this every month. Every week of every month. Or a week of every month. So that that if it doesn't appeal to me this month, there's still something in me thinking, well, I wonder what they're going to do next month. Yeah. 
Next month, we're writing for challenged athletes. They're uh, usually high schoolish uh, age kids who had some type of life altering illness or accident, and they are no longer able to play their sport. And they um, go through this organization and they go on to wonderful colleges. And, you know, the month before that was for um, breast cancer awareness. We did, you know, we do all kinds of stuff, but we do it once a week, every week of every month. What kind of participation do you get? 100%. Full. Every bike is full. Wow. Okay. So what do you attribute that to? Uh, a couple things. One, there are those riders. We'll start off with the, the least common denominator. And there are those riders who just want to ride for $10. You know, our class price is higher than that, obviously. And so there are some of those riders who just want to be able to get a class at Grit for 10 bucks, And that's cool. We'll, we'll take their $10. Because we want to donate it to the organization. And then there are the groups of friends who say, oh, let's all meet up for a karma ride. It's only 10 bucks and we get to donate our money to such and such. And then there are the the riders that only come to take Matt's class. And they're so excited because he's teaching a karma ride. Or they want to take Caitlin's class. And she never teaches at 4.15 on a Wednesday, but she's doing it for the karma ride. So let's all come to that. Or there are people from outside of the community. If we're if we've chosen an organization of maybe a local elementary school, then we will get a lot of the people who perhaps don't come to grit, but their kids go to that particular elementary school, so they come out for the event. So it's a wide range of of participants, but it is ninety nine percent full all the time. Okay, and you mentioned the local schools. Are you? Are you trying to tie your events? These are fascinating to me, and yeah. forgive me because this is that's not okay. what we do, we're going to talk about. But that's, <laughs> that's right. the that's I told you the podcast is very random, and when you say something interesting, I like to run with it. Cool. Are are you tying your events to some other local organization so that there's always a local component to 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 who you're raising funds for? Ah, uh, gosh, we've done so many now. I'm trying to think back. So we definitely try to work with local um, people when we – they're all, for the most part, local. Um, Or they have some type of – some type of connection with a writer. So, uh, for example, the Team Nuclear, the Men's Health this month, we did did, uh, Men's Health last November as well. But this year we worked with an organization, one of our writers whose husband had – uh, a cancer, uh, and who is wonderful and fabulous and feeling great. We, uh, devoted this month to that particular organization. So whenever we, and the same with challenge athletes next month, it's a a writer who is a very dedicated grit community member. And, uh, you know, we're, we're doing that one. So whether it's local or semi-local or has to do with our, um, has to do with one of our writers. And then also I should say one of the owners of Grit, we have three owners, and one of them is Marisa Wayne, and she's John Wayne's daughter. So we have a big connection with the John Wayne Cancer Foundation. And um, in fact, in August, we did our what's called a Gritty Up, and we raised um, almost $100,000. I should know this number. I think a hundred wow, well, hundred thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, well, anything close to that's impressive. So I know it's it crazy, amazing. So 
Yeah. So we try to keep it local or connected somehow to our community. Okay. So to get back kind of to the original discussion point as yeah. far as as far as converting yeah. these. So you having people come uh, I'm going to guess you have a lot of people in the, at these events if you're if you're if you're you know com- connected locally mm-hmm. that they're first time riders. Yes. Okay. How do you go about uh, converting them to uh, or what is your your process in place to convert them to yeah. to be more regular? Well, luckily for us uh gosh, you know, it's this has um, not anything to do with social, but from the moment they drive into our parking lot, we have a beautiful facility that is brand new. It's a freestanding building. It's extremely attractive. And from the moment they step onto the walkway to walk up, it's an experience. So between looking uh, at the architecture of the studio and then walking in, seeing the amazing merchandise that we have, for sale in the shop. They're greeted by amazing gritty babes at the front desk who uh, have a smile on their face. They talk them through the process. We allow them to borrow shoes for free, whether they're riding in a karma ride or coming to the studio for the 10th time, they can borrow a pair of shoes for free. Um, We have alkaline water dispensers. I mean, it's a whole experience. It's not, you know, like they're walking up to a grimy building in a strip mall and, you know, fending for themselves. This is an experience from the moment they step into our patio. And then when they go into a karma ride, you know, they're walking into a full class of people who are there for a party. It's a party atmosphere. Um, Usually at a karma ride, the instructors pull out, I mean, our, our instructors pull out all the stops in every single ride, but sometimes for a karma ride, there's two instructors teaching together. They'll team up. And then so the energy is just you know, quadrupled the um, studio itself on the inside. Once the ride starts, when the blue lights come on and everything's glowing and the music is pumping, it's a addictive, attractive uh, environment. And so when they walk out and they're just like booming and endorphin high on life, you know, they um, have had that experience and they are, you know, greeted again at the end of the class by the front desk staff. We do not believe in, uh, most people will come out and say, well, where, how do I do my next class? You know, (laughs) (laughs) where do I sign up? So as soon as they uh, are entered into our system, they start getting our weekly emails. So inevitably on the following Sunday, they will get an email prompting them to sign up for their next class. It will have the monthly special. It will have our social links. They will, um, so many people are so social, they tag themselves in a post when they're leaving a class. And therefore, I inevitably see it and go back on and invite them to come back again. Um, the instructors find these people on Facebook, and they add them as friends. So then they're getting requests that way um, to come back into the studio. And it just kind of snowballs from there. Got it. Okay. But your front desk staff, they're not making even a subtle... Yeah, they definitely show show them, you know, what the next step up, you know, to buy. A oh, oh, so they are. So that, so that, yeah. yeah. So they, they at least offer the opportunity. Would you like to know more about? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Especially like when they come back in to return their shoes, you know, it, it kind of starts there. Got it. Did you provide any training for them? Or did, did anyone do any training with them? Uh, for the sales staff or the front desk staff? For the, yeah. 
um, you know, we're in the process of implementing that right now. Oh, you are? Yeah. Okay. Okay, awesome. Well, this has gone very long, and it's been <laughs> enjoyable chatting with you. Yeah. Again, forgive me for being random, but that's okay. Uh, when I hear something that sounds very interesting, I like to pursue it. If someone has questions and um, or you know, as you discussed earlier, needs help kind of setting up this system, mm-hmm. you know, what's the best way? Or first, are you open to people contact you? I am. I take clients on a limited basis based on the time that I have available. And so, yeah, people can find me. I'm sure you're going to put in your show notes there, probably my blog and then my social contacts. But anybody can find me on Instagram at Smarty Cassie, on Twitter at Smarty Cassie, and on Facebook under my name. I'm kind of all spread around there. But if you're at my blog, which is itsmecassie.com, it'll have all my contact information there and um, the best way to find me. And then definitely, if you want to see what I do, a studio that is run socially proper by me, you would go on to uh, Grit Cycle, facebook.com slash Grit Cycle, uh, Grit Cycle on Instagram, and you can follow what I do and feel free to copy everything that I do and do exactly <laughs> as I do. And, you know, build, the people want to feel as though they are part of a community. Whether, you know, you're tagging them, you're putting up their pictures, they want to feel like they're part of a community. And so if every post that you do socially can reinforce that, you're starting off on the right foot. Well said. Cassie Piasecki, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening. ICI Pro provides these free expert interviews to help you start and then run a profitable indoor cycling business. I call it my instructor employment initiative. More successful studios mean more places for instructors to teach and packed studios are profitable studios, which will hopefully result in higher instructor pay. Now, if your studio is rocking with a wait list for many classes, that's awesome. But what if it isn't? What if your studio isn't performing as well as you had dreamed, projected, or expected? Are you feeling pressure from your customers to offer the super popular and loved new unconventional rhythm and movement classes? Have you spent a bunch of money on performance tracking and display technology, only to feel your instructors really aren't using it to its full potential? Or maybe they aren't using it at all? ICI Pro can help. We have a team of experienced experts that can help you improve any aspect of your studio business. Let's troubleshoot what's keeping customers away or why they aren't coming back, and then provide the intensive instructor training missing from the traditional indoor cycling brands. Please contact us today so we can get started helping you achieve the profitable studio you always dreamed of having.